We really can't predict the future because nobody can. What we can do, though, is help auto manufacturers recognize, prepare for, and profit from whatever comes next. Auto Supply Chain Profits gives you timely and relevant insights and best practices from industry leaders. It's all about what's happening now in the automotive supply chain and how to prepare your organization for the future, because the auto supply chain is where the money is. Welcome to Episode 2 of Auto Supply Chain Profits. I'm Kathy Fisher, your co-host. Today, my co-host Terry Onika of QAD and I are grabbing the mic from our guest host, Jan Griffiths, and we're turning the table to hear from Jan about her career as an automotive supply chain leader. Jan, tell us how you got started in the auto supply chain initially, and then what led you to your role as Vice President of Global Supply Chain Management at a leading automotive Tier 1 supplier? How I started. Wow, we're going to have to go back a ways for that. Well, let's go back to my farm girl days. As you know, I am indeed that rebellious, passionate farmer's daughter from Wales. And one day I was riding my pony across the field and my mother said there was a phone call. No cell phones back in those days. And she said it was a temp agency that needed somebody for Borg Warner. And I thought, Borg Warner? I thought they made batteries, which is kind of funny now, <laughs> looking back, that that's what I thought. Maybe I had a vision of the future. I don't know. So I said, oh, okay. So I remember coming in, you know, and I walked into Borg Warner as a temp in the purchasing department. And I walked onto that shop floor and Kathy... I felt alive. I smelled the oil and the coolant and this whole idea of manufacturing. I got it. It was in my blood and I just loved it. And that's how it all began. How amazing. You know, I actually feel the exact same way. And many years ago, when I was uh, running the um, autosports program for General Motors in NASCAR, one of my bosses said to me, you absolutely have motor oil running through your blood. <laughs> and it's because of being on the shop floor. It's so exciting. The smells and the sounds, it's just, it's great. So that sounds like a really auspicious beginning to a supply chain career. What led you to continue in that supply chain? Then Borg Warner decided they were going to send me to Muncie, Indiana on a 10-day business trip. Well, what are we looking at now, 35 years later? <laughs> and you didn't go back. <laughs> I didn't go back. I didn't go back. I fell in love with the automotive industry, and I worked my way through several different tier ones. I actually jumped out of the automotive industry for a period of time. I worked for Maytag as director of Lean Sigma for their supply base, which I really highly recommend that people who are so entrenched in automotive take some time and work in another industry. It gives you a totally different perspective and it allows you to come back in and challenge the things that we may not challenge because you know, it's our world in automotive today. So I had this wonderful career. I was just so bound and determined to get to the top. I wanted to be in that C-suite no matter what. And I did it and I got there and I sat at that table. Uh, and it wasn't exactly what I thought it was going to be. Wow. What does, what does supply chain in the C-suite look like? It looks like the same way that it's always looked, to be perfectly honest with you. Mm. 
this idea that supply chain, first of all, you know, great that supply chain has a seat at the table because for many, many years we struggled mm -hmm. with, oh, you know, we need a seat at the table. So yay, right? Finally, we got a seat at the table. Then it's all about supply chain being responsible for the suppliers and cost. It's all about cost. And we can talk about total acquisition cost. We can talk about supplier relationships, collaboration and strategy and innovation and on and on and on. But the basic systems that we have in place today haven't changed. And that is cost is measured by standard cost and variance against that cost. And freight is measured by variance to a standard and premium freight. And those things come together. And that's what drives the behavior in the C-suite. So Jan, after seeing that, what do you think if you were a CEO today at a tier one supplier, how would you strategically align the organization? What should they be doing going forward? That's a great question, Terry. I think you have to go back and look at how the industry as a whole is changing and the culture and the leadership model is changing before you can pinpoint supply chain. So it really goes back to how the industry operates, the culture that we've been working with for the last, I don't know how many decades. And that is very much a command and control model. And you see that happening even today. You've got OEMs, many of them trying to make a difference, to change the way that they operate. But then you've got Mr. Tavares at Stellantis coming out very much with a command and control model, putting these extreme supplier terms out there um, and many other things talking about driving cost, the EV cost into the supply base. That's very much command and control. And Stephen Covey says, and I love this quote, he says, quite simply, using command and control in today's world is like bringing a golf club to a tennis match. Those days are gone. They're completely gone. Some people and some companies in our automotive industry recognize that and are doing something about it, but many are not. And why should they? Because that model has assured their success. So they don't see the need for the change. And that's what's got to happen, Terry. We've got to change this industry right now, not tomorrow, today. Well, speaking of change, I'm interested to hear from your perspective, what have you seen as the evolution of supply chain in the automotive industry over your career? In some ways, it's evolved a lot. When you talk about technology, yes. Uh, tremendous um, advancements and evolution on the technology side. But as we all know, the technology is only as good as the data and the information you put into it. And if you're still operating with command and control in silos, with processes that haven't changed that much, really, how far can you advance? Yeah, absolutely. Do you recognize um, that there's uh, let's say, a, a level of focus about those key or essential processes of supply chain that's recognized to the level, let's say, of uh, quality processes or even the technology development processes? I'd love to say yes, but my experience and my interactions with my colleagues would, would imply no. Mm. Because again, it goes back to cost. Mm -hmm. And 
I know from my experience that the time to put the focus, the energy, and the resources is during a program launch to understand the full scope and complexity of the supply chain and build in those processes early on. And so often we're just so quick to, we got to get the thing launched. We don't spend the time to do it right. Yeah, it's really interesting. What I tend to see as far as advanced product quality planning program launch is that there is some effort in terms of sourcing and preparation of the suppliers and, of course, negotiating prices and that. But there's not as much emphasis on the other aspects of supply chain, which are equally as important, like how are we moving the material whether it's within our operations or from the supplier out to the, towards the customer. And even something as simple as packaging is oftentimes completely overlooked until the last minute, and then you're in a crisis, right? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. You know, the other thing, in addition to we have to change the leadership, it just drives me nuts. I still think we're a supply chain that is focused on premium freight, firefighting is our metrics, and getting that you know, premium freight to land at the customer in their cornfield uh, to, to feed parts to the organization because we can't keep up with schedules is viewed as, as, the, as the standard and that's got to change. What do you think about that? Yeah, that's a good point, right? So there's this badge of honor when you can be incredibly aggressive with the supplier. The more aggressive you are, the more, you know, the tougher you are, that's great. You know, that's, that's seen as a badge of honor. And this, there's always people in an organization, particularly in automotive supply chain, who are the recognized firefighters. And they're just good at it, right? But they're obviously, you know, they're very aggressive with a supplier. And there's this sort of the culture that says that if something happens with a supplier supplied part, that it's the supplier's fault immediately, immediately, without question. And then I see supply chain is always scrambling to say, oh, but, but, but no, 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 actually, there's a little bit of both here. We should actually work together and figure this out. And it, when you do that, when you provide a more collaborative approach is often viewed as weakness, quite frankly. Mm. I'm interested to find out how you felt being a leader of supply chain at a global tier one. What was that like? I felt, and I have in many positions, I felt somewhat conflicted because the the expected mold is very much command and control, and I am not. I am all about authentic leadership and collaboration and creativity and innovation. And so I had to find a way to fit the mold but not lose myself completely. And let me give you uh, an example of how that plays out. Back, oh, I don't even know how many years ago, maybe 15 years ago, resin prices started to rise and I was dealing with um, DuPont, recognized global resin supplier. And my boss expected me to have DuPont in the office, beating them, beating their brains out every single day, right? At that point, we were talking about going into allocation. Beating somebody's brains out for price and delivery is not the way to get something from somebody. You had to sit down and understand their agenda your agenda and find a way forward. It's not about being right or wrong. It's about finding the right business outcome. So I would hold those meetings off site. 
So they couldn't see that I was actually having a reasonable discussion. I look back now and I think, what was I thinking? If that happened today, I would be, hey, this is the way I'm operating. This is the way we're doing it. But, you know, when you're earlier in your career, you don't have that strength to be able to, to do that. Yeah. And I oftentimes feel like we don't always apply over to the supply chain. Some of those great lessons learned from the manufacturing front. I'm just sitting here thinking to myself, I always used to say in my position in purchasing, let's go to the supplier. And I used to spend 90% of my time at the suppliers because we talk about Gemba, go to the shop floor, Gemba, go to the supplier, be in their environment and understand what are the constraints and and risks and um, issues that they're dealing with that could have an impact on us and how can we work together towards success for both. What do you think about the silos? Did you experience that? Kathy and I really believe we just got to rip apart these, this, this philosophy, we work in silos, that quality, you stick in your little area and supply chain, you stick in your area and IT, hopefully you can figure out how to make all the data work. What do you think about that? What was your experiences in that area? It goes back to leadership, right? And it's about the blame game. And it's about, okay, let me blame somebody else so that I can look good. And I have never supported that type of leadership model. And people were sometimes aghast sometimes that uh, when I would dump dirty laundry on the table and say, okay, this is a problem. We got to figure it out. And that's, that silo mentality is not going to move us forward in the future. We have to break through. Think about, we, we talk about a supply chain ecosystem. An ecosystem, think if you visualize it in your mind, it's a bunch of nodes that are connected. And think about it as a, li a living, breathing ecosystem. They're all dependent on each other. There is not command and control. There is not hierarchy. If we start to think of supply chain as this living, breathing ecosystem where we're all dependent on each other, that would change the way that we behave. That's excellent advice. And I wanted to also ask you along those lines, what advice do you have to CEOs in the automotive industry in terms of elevating supply chain as more of an ecosystem? Break through the paradigms. Stop thinking the way that we always think, which is let's hire somebody with this skill set, the same skill set in the same industry that's maybe worked in another tier one. Go completely different. Go outside of the industry. Know that supply chain is a heavy, heavy interaction and dependence on IT, on other functions in the organization. Look at it holistically. Bring that person in with a very different skill set and mindset. Somebody who understands speed and agility, like we could never even think of in the automotive industry. We talk about Amazon as being the, the example. I mean, you've only got to think about buying something. I swear it shows up on my doorstep the next day. That we need people that can think like that. Put them at the table, on the C in the C-suite, reporting directly to the CEO, and make sure that you create a leadership culture and environment where everybody can thrive. What's your prediction um, in the future? If you look out further, when you look at the new startups, whether an OEM startup or a battery startup against the traditional OEMs, the traditional suppliers, what do you do? You think they're going to do something different? Or do you, do you think they're going to break this mold and do it better? Is that a threat, do you think, to the industry? 
Yeah, they've broken the mold. The EV startups, so not a traditional OEM, started from scratch, and they started with a technology mindset. So it's technology that they're putting in something called a car. The traditional OEMs are car manufacturers, they're vehicle manufacturers trying to add in technology. And that's a very, very different model. And when I interviewed Stefan Kraus, who's a leader in the EV space, he said, you know, what OEMs have to do is pretty much blow up their legacy organizations and start afresh. It's going to be very difficult to transition into this new leadership model. Yeah, and it comes back to this idea of an ecosystem, because when we recognize all of the different players now that are going to be involved, we're no longer really talking about that supply chain, who's my customer and who's my supplier, but we're having to deal with so many different partners, especially on the technology front, that there has to be that that living organism that you're talking about. So I think that's a great analogy. Do you think, Jan, based on your career, that CEOs didn't place enough emphasis on really using systems and automation throughout the entire organization, especially at the assembly plants. Do you think that was something that was missed in the past that we need to correct in the future? I think there was, and this would be a huge generalization, but I think there was an underestimation of the impact of supply chain to the bottom line. And if you assume that it's all about just pure piece price and premium freight, and that's where you're going to fight the battles, then you're going to miss a whole section of what supply chain is all about. And then you're not going to put the resources into it because you, you know, if you can't draw that line to piece price and premium freight, you're not going to do it. So Jan, what is the one action that we want to encourage automotive manufacturers to take today in order to ensure a successful supply chain in the future. To recognize that supply chain clearly is where the money is. Are you ready to find the money in your supply chain? Visit www.autosupplychainprofits.com to learn how, or click the link in the show notes below.